sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Yeah, well, what I learned during the campaign is that there's a big difference between uh, what people in America care about and what people in Washington or in the media care about. We need to have the Attorney General redacted to make sure there's no national security classified material, no grand jury minutes, and I would submit nothing that is critical of people who have not been indicted and haven't had an opportunity to respond. Mr. Barr gets to handle this. That's how the law works. And Mr. Barr has made it, uh, made it clear that he's going to uh, release it to Congress before he shows it to us. That's his decision. So we're going to let the system work. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> yes, it's me. And I'm just giggling a little bit because if you go to StaceyOnTheRight.com, you can see the live stream there. Because I just, okay, so I just figured out how to embed a video that's actually a live stream. Probably not a huge thing to a lot of different people, but for me, I'm feeling a little accomplished in this moment. <laughs> so it's over there. Um, and also that list, that amazing list of President Trump's accomplishments, and it is by no means comprehensive, meaning everything. It's what I was able to gather. We've covered this before on the show, and it was a really popular topic, and that's why I thought, you know what? Instead of just reading it on the air, I should throw it over there at StaceyOnTheRight.com so you can actually find it for yourself. And each one is individually typed out on its own line. So you could literally copy and paste it, throw it up on Twitter, you know, just post a few of them uh, on, on Facebook. And I wouldn't share them if they weren't factually accurate. It would be very time consuming to put each link on there, but I do list the sources of where I got the information, which is fantastic. And uh, you can also, I, I know some people get triggered, but if you are not easily triggered, you can go to the president's Twitter feed and he often tweets out accomplishments and things as they go on that he's been able to do, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. So in, in any case, it's good news. And I think it's great to share. And um, so, I, you know, I'd be so happy if you would join me in celebrating what he's been able to do so far. God is good. He's giving us good things. We, you know, the sun rises on the good and the bad, the Bible says, it rises on the, on the, the uh, righteous and the evil. So we all get to enjoy the same sun, sunshine, which, by the way, I'm looking out my window here. I can't tell. Uh, I'm not sure if that, that's basically, it's a bright day, but it's not a sunny day anymore. I think the sun was out a little earlier. And I just want to say thank God for that, too. Every day that we get the sun here in the Midwest, we need to be so grateful because of this winter that we've just survived. I'm real, I, I really can't believe that's the winter that we had. And it's supposed to be garden weather this Saturday. This Saturday in the Midwest, we're supposed to have temperatures in the 70s, 73 here for the St. Louis Metro, which means, I'm just going to call it out. Y'all know what's about to happen. If you buy your gardening stuff from Lowe's or Home Depot, the line is going to be so long and everyone's going to be wearing workout clothes like they've just been working out when they're really there to buy garden stuff and they're going to go fill up their hanging baskets and put some things in their, in their garden. Um, and I just encourage you because I do enjoy Lowe's and Home Depot. Also remember your local plant nurseries, they might not be as crowded and you can get some good deals on uh, plant materials. And this year I'm branching out y'all. You're here to hear first. I'm actually going to do one tomato bush and two bell pepper bushes because last year I had one bell pepper bush and one tomato bush and they survived. First of all, they survived. If you were following me on Instagram last year, you saw that I posted pictures of those. 
And honestly, I'd killed so many tomato bushes in the past or they didn't bear any fruit that I just figured I couldn't make them grow. And I'm pretty good in the garden, but with the food, I just wasn't getting any success. Well, I have a couple of herb plants that I've kept alive over the winter. And last summer was my first time having garden food garden that actually survived and produced vegetables that, that we could eat. So this year I'm branching out. I'm going to do a little more. I know you guys are probably thinking for those of you who grow food all the time, you're like, really? <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so anyway, here on hour two of the program and we're welcome. We, we love your calls. Call in, chat with us if you want to. Um, call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, we have Celeste Katz, who's a, she's a former reporter for Newsweek. She's been on the show many times before, political commentator. She's going to join us and talk about the 2020 presidential candidates on the left. And we're also going to be covering the FISA abuse thing. Um, the Trump kids, they're now uh, public enemy number one without collusion and the narrative about how the president's a criminal. Now they have to try to criminalize the kids. I know they're adults, but you get what I'm saying. So um, what we are going to do is we're also going to get into an Egyptian man a man who does, he speaks only Arabic. He doesn't speak any English. He tried to kidnap this lady's child in the Huntington Mall. He literally picked up her five-year-old daughter and tried to haul her off. And guess how she got him to stop? I'm going to leave that dot, dot, dot for you and let you marinate on that a little bit. But you can guess. You've, you've, you haven't just met me. You know how I am on the show. You know what she did. So we'll talk about that in the third segment. Right now, I want to talk about the FISA abuse scandal, which is a huge scandal it's what we've seen the Democrats use to weaponize the FBI and other agencies. They did that because they didn't like the election of President Trump. They didn't want him to be the president. And so they started investigating him, thinking he was a dirty dealer. I, do y'all remember? I, I, you know, I am a mom, so I, I'm going to have to engage in a little bit of I told you so. Do y'all remember on the air, for those who have been listening that long, back in 2016 when I said everybody thinks that President Trump, because he has a potty mouth and, you know, He's been married a few times. They think that he's not a clean dealer in business. And, and it's true he's had some bankruptcies and, you know, uh, et cetera. But, yeah, they think he's a dirty dog. But I actually highlighted the fact that the president, he doesn't drink alcohol. Um, he has a potty mouth for sure. But he's not, a, he's not that typical under dealer guy. Like, he's the one who... Uh, you guys remember the story? His limousine was broken down on the side of the road and it was because of a tire. One of the tires on the limousine had blown and his driver was out there trying to change the tire by himself. And this couple pulled over in their truck and he was like, dude, let me help you. And, and he said, you know, Trump, I know who you are. You're, you're Trump. He said, you're dressed up. Don't, don't get out. Stay there. Let us help your driver get the tire fixed. And so the guy in the truck helped the driver and they swapped the tire out. And Donald Trump asked him his name and his phone number. You know, he said, I want to thank you. He's like, no, thanks are owed. It's the right thing to do. When you see someone broken down the side of the road, just help them. And the wife was like, wow, you know, we, we got to meet Donald Trump. So they shook hands and they went on their merry way in their truck and Donald Trump went off in his car. Well, later, the couple, they got a notification that Donald Trump had paid off their mortgage. He paid their mortgage off because they stopped and helped him when his tire was busted. So, it, I, you know, Donald Trump is not a saint. None of us are. Unless you say, you know, obviously we're clothed in white. We're a royal priesthood. 
we are saints when we come to know the Lord as our Savior. Obviously, He is sanctifying us every day. But as far as every person you know that that may be rich or does nice things for people, never being able to do anything wrong, well, we know that's not true. But I just said back then, I said, you know, people are probably going to be surprised to find out that Donald Trump is is he's not a crook. He's he just does business. He likes doing business. And that's what we've seen here. He didn't collude with the Russians. He's not a Russian agent. Um, he didn't even obstruct justice. I know that that's left up to like he's not exonerating him. But we had Professor Grossman explain that concept to us yesterday. So, you know, be that as it may. The FISA abuse, that's a huge problem because what they did to Donald Trump, they can do to any American. They can say, you know what? She spoke to a foreigner. She spoke to a foreign national. Now we need to listen to her because we were listening to the foreign national. Now we need, you know, you, just, you see what I'm saying? You could be doing something legitimate. In fact, you probably are. And you're having a conversation about something. And then all of a sudden now you're the subject of a FISA application. Now they're listening to you and they're not giving you your constitutionally protected rights. Let's listen to Ned Ryan. It's number three. Yeah, I think it's deeply irresponsible. I see people writing opinion pieces saying we need to move on. Uh, people that are writing those things, I think, have, have basically decided they're giving up on the civil liberties of the American people. They're accepting the beginnings of a police state, and they're really saying that we should accept the, the, the demise of our republic. You know, there needs to be a reckoning. There need to be consequences. These men, John Brennan, James Clapper, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, massively abused the great trust and power that they were given uh, and how they targeted a, a candidate and then a, a sitting president of the United States. There need to be consequences. We need to say that this is unacceptable, not only for Republican presidents moving forward, for, but for Democratic presidents as well. There have to be consequences. And for there to be a healing in this process, there have to be investigations. Yeah. I think these people can be charged with crimes. To falsify FISA applications is a crime, and there need to be consequences for that. So there do need to be consequences because without consequences, lawlessness reigns supreme. And that's the difference between a tin pot dictatorship and a banana republic and our country. Those first two that I listed, you don't want to live there because everything is capricious and arbitrary. And you are never protected from any of those kinds of just random ham handed actions that anyone can take against you. You're unpopular all of a sudden then they're going to prosecute you and do all kinds of crazy stuff to you. And that is not the way we want to live. We believe in the rule of law. And it's a part of our social compact that people really take for granted. But you know what chips away at it? Yeah, I'm going to have to go there. Sorry, if you're going to get triggered by this, get triggered. Um, Don't email me, but get triggered. Feel free to experience the triggering in its full glory because here it comes. When people come into the country illegally and they're not deported because they came here out of love or you feel some kind of way in your chest and so that feeling negates the illegality of their action, then that gets everybody who sees that says, well, if they're going to be here uh, illegally, I might as well bring my cousin and my, and my you know, so-and-so over here illegally. When you do that, it also tells employers, you know what, these 300 or so illegals I'm employing under the table so I don't have to pay their social security and all of that. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let it go because everybody's doing it. When everybody's doing it, then you start to reap the consequences of everybody doing it, which, which is our social networks are just not social networks, but our, our social safety systems like Medicare, Medicaid, 
uh, our hospitals, the emergency rooms, they get overtaxed because the burden isn't commensurate with what's being paid in. You know, it's, it's funny. People don't think of it this way. But if you really look at the way America is set up, it's set up like we're all in the family. It's set up like we've agreed to, tacitly, we've agreed to take care of each other. Now, you, we can argue about the constitutionality of the income tax. I, I think those are great conversations for us to have. But as it stands now, I'm just talking about the lay of the land right here, right now. We have agreed as Americans that our taxes all go into the local and then state and then federal government. And then the elected representatives, not a democracy, not mob rule, elected representatives then make decisions about what to do with that money. And when they see a need, you know, an area that's poverty stricken or a group of people who can't take care of themselves, like people who are disabled, if you can prove you're disabled, then all of us are agreeing to take care of individuals who are disabled to a certain extent through programs that we all know and pay for. So when when we have that tacit agreement and we're in a social compact with each other and we operate our country that way, when outsiders come in and don't contribute to that system or they contribute to it in whatever way they're because everybody pays some taxes. If you're buying things anywhere where there's tax uh, applied to your purchase, you're paying some taxes, but you're maybe paying in, you know, whenever you buy something at these tax increment financed shopping centers, you're paying some tax on your food in some states and some like in Missouri, we don't pay tax on food, but you're paying, but you're in the country illegally. So you being in the country illegally means, first of all, the job you're working, that's a job that a citizen would have worked and miss me with all these prognostications about how they do work Americans won't do. That's just a ball faced lie from the pit of hell. So while you're sitting up talking about I'm Satan, look at yourself. Worry about yourself. Take care of that beam that's in your own eye. You are lying. And then the last part of it is people who are here illegally, one of the first things they do is they have a baby. That anchor baby has citizenship in America. It's a baby that wouldn't have been born here. And y'all know I'm as pro-life as it gets, but we're not talking about killing anybody. We're talking about people being here that should not be here in the first place. So all of us agree to pay for the disabled, for people who are low income. We agree to pay into tax and give, you know, tax credits to people who have children. We all get those. If you have a child and you pay taxes and you file a tax return, you get an earned income tax credit. Illegals get those too, and they can't claim babies outside the country. Can you see how the strain begins to bear on us and then we begin to reap what we've sown? Lawlessness? Yes. Yes, you can see that. All right. So when we get back, we'll have Celeste Katz with us. Stay there. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. 
Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 855-PSALM-23. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Thomas Edsall, writing in the New York Times, cites a number of academic studies that demonstrate what most of us have already seen. Partisan hate is on the increase. One academic paper with the title Lethal Mass Partisanship found that just over 42% of the people in each political party views the opposition as downright evil. He then concludes that 48 million voters who cast ballots in the 2016 election believe that members of the opposition party are in league with the devil. He also cites another arresting statistic. What if the opposing party wins the 2020 election? How much do you feel violence would be justified then? The study found that 18% of Democrats and 13% of Republicans said violence would be justified on a scale ranging from a little to a lot. Later in his commentary, he cites another academic study that concludes that on both sides of the political aisle, the best-informed voters are by far the most partisan. We would expect that well-educated, well-informed people might be able to pull the electorate out of this morass. David French, writing in National Review, repeats this idea. He says, in a time of crisis, American citizens often look for guidance and take their cues from the subset of American citizens who are most engaged and informed. Yet study after study is now showing that this cohort of Americans is driving the engine of American division. If we're to turn this around, we need pastors and Christian leaders working in the political arena to set an example. Political thought leaders are the ones driving much of the division and partisan hate in America. Christian leaders should not give in to this division and conflict, but provide examples of grace and civility. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome to the program. You can find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. And if you hit the subscribe button, you will get occasional missives from me because I just, honestly, I've not been sending out the newsletter once a week. I haven't. I've sent out alerts and I've sent out the newsletter, but it doesn't happen every week. So you will get sporadic updates from me. And you can trust me that your email address will never be shared or sold or anything like that because, honestly, that's too much work for me to find somebody to sell it to and then to make it happen. And they really couldn't pay me enough for me to waste my time doing that. So (laughs) you'll only get stuff from me. Um, And that'll be occasionally. So um, if you want to sign up, like you, if you're already a WordPress user or you have a WordPress account, you can sign up to get notifications whenever I post something. But I just warn you, like last night I posted like 12 things. um, And then I'll go for weeks without posting anything. So I'm going to try to be a little more religious about that, getting stuff in on a regular basis. But if you sign up, I think you'll enjoy it, so feel free to do that. Also, hit the subscribe button over at urbanfamilytalk.com and afr.net. We'd love to have you there. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest, Celeste Katz. She's a political commentator, former reporter for Newsweek. Celeste, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. So let's talk about this. 2020, the Democrats have a lot of people running. They're having a lot of fun over there. Yeah, I noticed that you were uh, you had some stuff up about uh, Joe Biden's poll situation with him i'm keeping an eye on that certainly you know the fundraising <laughs> is interesting but the, the biden story is quite something yeah 
Uh, yeah, so it keeps getting more interesting because, Celeste, I've seen a lot of pictures of Joe Biden, you know, furtively squeezing the shoulders and smiling, smiling into people's faces uncomfortably close, kissing. You know, I've even seen a little of the lip kissing, like once. I've seen one picture of that. Now the pictures are surfacing where his wife kisses their friends on the lips, which I'm, I, I only know one. They're not a couple, but they're two people who used to work together and I'd seen them at events kissing each other on the mouth and not, not like French kissing, but just like, you know, a peck on the lips to greet Mm -hmm. each other and to leave when they would leave and they were married to other people and they would do that in full view of everyone else. Like you're just standing there talking, you glance over and you see them saying goodbye and then they would just kiss on the lips and, and part ways. And I've seen, so I've seen it before, but this is weird. Mrs. Biden kisses people on the lips Joe kisses people on the lips. Um, they're very affectionate. That's what it's being called. Does this stand up for 2020 or what? I mean, what do you think happens here? You know, it's really, I'm not trying to be evasive, but it's really hard to say. I think that to your point earlier, look, different people have different practices, different cultures, different societies have different mores and folk ways as they call them, you know. Uh, Americans perhaps stand further away from each other when we talk to each other than in in, uh, other cultures where the idea of quote-unquote personal space or touching people is different. Now, uh, you know, in this environment, though, Joe Biden being sort of the presumptive front-runner and having Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure on him and a lot of people already in the contest, like, this is just something he doesn't need right now. That's (laughs) the bottom line, is whether there are some people who have come out uh, in support of him and just saying that, you know, he happens to be uh, you know, sort of a, a touchy-feely person, that he's not like a predator. And other people saying, look, he did put his hands on me or he kissed me or hugged me and I felt uncomfortable. Like, I don't think that you can dismiss either side of that because it's a matter of, of you know, personal interpretation. But mm-hmm. it, this is just not a hassle he needs right now at all. He doesn't need to be talking about this. Uh, I don't think it, it helps him any, in any way at all. And while he's trying to put out this fire, everyone else is out there raising money and getting on with their lives. Mm. Um, so first of all, Celeste, I don't think that was evasive at all. I, I went to get your opinion on it because it's it's a hard question to answer. Will this have an impact? Now, if this was six months ago or whatever that was when Kavanaugh was getting raked over the coals for all these, you know, kind of hearsay things that were 30 some odd years old, I'd say, wow, what a double standard. But he survived that. He's on the Supreme Court. It was brutal. It was horrifying for his family. But those were unsubstantiated claims, and now he's on the Supreme Court. I could theoretically see, because of Joe Biden's popularity, him weathering this storm. But it looks like Democratic leadership has issued a clarion call for him to step aside. Um, They had a CNN commentator. She's an actual contributor to CNN, so she's paid to be there. She said it's not his time. And I felt like that was kind of like a little missile launched over the battlements from the leadership of the DNC when she said that. It, it seemed like it was more than it was coming from more than just her. Yeah, I think that uh, if you look at what Nancy Pelosi has said now, look, there's sort of a Nancy Pelosi wing of the party and there's some, uh, you know, some resistance to her, although she seems to, to mostly have her conference uh, in order compared mm. to a few months ago, um, but she says, look, uh, this is this is not something you really want to do. Uh, she says she doesn't think it's disqualifying, but 
he really has to be more aware of of the environment and of the fact that this is just that kind of behavior, maybe even if it's not uh, deliberately, uh, you know, being skeedy or anything. Uh, I don't know, whatever word you want to call it. It's just right. don't do that. Don't touch people that way. Don't put your hands on people. Just don't. I mean, sort of like, you know, kindergarten stuff, like, like no fighting, no biting type of thing. So, <laughs> right. Um, I saw you know, the, the clip of her. She said she's a straight arm club. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. She said, I'm a exactly. member of the straight arm club. Act like you have a cold. Act like I have a cold. So how would you greet a person with a cold? Well, you'd stick your arm straight out to keep them far away from you because you don't want their misty germs getting on you. And you'd shake hands and that would be the end of it. And she said he should become a member of the straight arm club. But this is a habit that he has cultivated for 40 years. How long has he been in public office? Like, I don't see him changing. Yeah, I mean, his whole adult life, basically, yeah. I mean, he's, um, and, and look, this is not, he is not by far, I would say, the only politician uh, who behaves like that. I've, I was just discussing this recently uh, on a program on Sirius XM where we were talking about what it's like to, um, we were talking about what it's like to cover politics as a woman. And, you know, male reporters meet male politicians, they shake hands, right? Uh, yeah. As a female reporter, uh, you come up to a male politician and maybe they want to hug you or they want to give you a kiss on the cheek because that's how men greet women. Now, is that appropriate? You know, some people, I think, are more bothered by it or less bothered by it. Um, but it is a fact. I mean, I have tried literally that straight arm tactic that you mentioned. And um, I said... Uh, how about it? Just a handshake, right? And I've mm-hmm. had a male politician say to me, "What? I don't get a hug." And you kind of want to be like, "No, you don't." I mean, just I'm going to interview you. <laughs> what, is the, what is the issue? Celeste so, is mean, like, is it, "No, you know, no kissing, no hugging." <laughs> well, I love it's it. A, it's a real, and seriously, for female reporters, and I am by far not the only female political reporter who's had this experience. I think it's—I mean, certainly, worse things happen than that, but. So as far as Biden goes, um, you know, it's just the fact that this is happening right now, you know, maybe it's not anything nefarious on his part. I don't know. Again, that's a matter of how people interpreted it, um, who experienced it. That's not for me to say. But the fact that you and I are on the radio talking mm-hmm. about this instead mm-hmm. of talking about what he would do on health care or how many millions of dollars he's going to raise the first week after his announcement. Um, so, again, just just. Probably not where he wants to be right now. I don't. I, yeah, I I tend to agree with you that it, it's getting more and more embarrassing, right? So, so let's just let's just say it's like you and I. We're both like tip of the spear for information gathering. So we've seen a lot of the pictures, and most of those pictures mm-hmm. are ones from the Obama administration where he was the vice president, and a lot of people came through there to the White House, and he'd always be there, and every single time. He's hugging, kissing, you know, caressing everybody from the little girls all the way up to the old, you know, grannies. He's just comforting everyone and experiencing them and what he calls appreciating them. He's, he's doing this to all of the women in, in, in residence. But now, not only are you and I discussing this instead of his policies, but now there's pictures on Drudge of him kissing on the mouth and others, you know, his wife kissing on the mouth. And he's kissing other people's wives while they're standing there and they're kissing on the mouth. And so it becomes one of those things where... I'm almost waiting like so we've seen we've seen like hugging and hair sniffing and we've seen you know cupping the chin and all that and now we're seeing kissing on the mouth 
what more is there? Like, I'm just waiting. What what will I see tomorrow, Celeste? What will my eyes feast upon tomorrow? <laughs> Look, it's, I mean, we've, we've been through things like this. And you go through these things in, in many campaigns. We certainly saw it uh, with President Trump, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, explosive allegations mm-hmm. against him, the subsequent scandals, the Access Hollywood tape, uh, where we heard him making these remarks. Again, you know, you, you know, you can interpret those things as you want, but again, you know, it, the sort of sad fact of it all is that it's really a distraction from the stuff that we should be talking about. I mean, people in this country, you know, want to like be able to pay off their student loans or get better jobs or, or you know, have lower taxes or, uh, you know, have better health care, whatever it is. Like, that essentially is what people probably should be focusing on and who has the best plans for that in the Democratic primary and then in a general election matchup, presumably with with the president, um, unless something truly bizarre happens there. Um, and is this sort of like where we as Americans want to be talking about these things on either side of the aisle? It's, it's an important discussion to have about, uh, you know, Me Too and about how women are treated in the society. Like, I'm okay with that. But this election is such a high-stakes matter that, that you know, I hope that we don't get too consumed by issues like this. I think the best thing for everybody to do is confront it head-on and address it and you know, make their decisions from there, not, not dwell on it as if it's the only thing that is going to matter um, in 2020, because it's not. Well, it won't matter as much in 2020, but I think the reason it matters now is because the polls show him with a lion's share of support from Democrats. Uh, 30% of Democrats would prefer to see Joe Biden be the nominee. And so for people who are going up against him, they're in the back rooms looking at those poll numbers and saying, not kissing people on the lips, he's not. And they're they're behind a lot of this. I don't think this is enemy fire from Republicans. This is a strictly Democratic-led effort to uh, either bring them to the front because there, there are definitely factions of support on the D- Democratic side that are s- very strongly for Joe Biden. But there's a lot of people who would prefer to see Bernie Sanders. There's that whole wing of the party. And then there's the Kamala Harris wing, which is bigger than the poll numbers suggest because they're hoping to do a similar rollout for her as the one that was done for Barack Obama, who was largely unknown and definitely not a contender against the Clinton juggernaut. But he literally just swept Hillary Clinton out of the way like she was a political neophyte. And he did that through a groundswell of support that came from every corner and really overwhelmed the Clinton machine and the the kind of establishment Democrats. And they hope to do the same thing with Kamala Harris. So it is important for them in order to make that happen to weaken Joe Biden so that she can come in and be that person to kind of mop up his support and gather it to herself. You mentioned other candidates and, and issues that we could talk about. I saw a story about uh, Elizabeth Warren's, it's either her campaign manager or her chief fundraiser quitting because I guess they're not raising money. How do you see her campaign flushing out? Well, you know, again, it's very challenging when you have uh, somebody like Bernie Sanders who um, obviously didn't wait as long as Joe Biden, but it wasn't entirely clear from the beginning if he was really going to get in or really not. Um, And once he did, of course, he raised this incredible amount of money in a very, very short amount of time. And I think that is a problem for Elizabeth Warren because they are fairly close 
um, or closer than others are uh, to each other on the political spectrum in terms of being on the far left, in terms of their attitude towards, uh, you know, government versus private industry or, uh, you know, government attitude towards, say, banks and things like that. So um, that plus this sort of, uh, again, like unpleasant controversy or distracting controversy over her claims of Native American heritage and so on. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, this is a big, big fight. It's a lot of people competing for this spot and more people getting in. So for Elizabeth Warren, I think it's sort of like, um, you know, I think that she is enjoying some currency, that there are people who like what she has to say, but it's also a moment of soul searching, I think, for the Democratic Party. It's like, if you look at what, they, what the rhetoric is of the Democratic Party, and frankly also of the Republican Party in some ways, it says, you know, like, they want to have more diversity. They want to have more young people, more women, more people of different backgrounds, and so on. But the top three, you know, two or three uh, prospects on the Democratic side are older white men. You know, you have Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, uh, people interested in uh, Beto O'Rourke, and then you have Kamala Harris in there, Elizabeth Warren, and then a lot of the other people further and further down, um, mm. you know, single digits. Um, so... For all for the entire party, it's really a question of like, how does it, how does the party want to go up against President Trump? Do they want to have a ticket that reflects a growing part of the electorate, which is younger people and people who are not white? Um, because that's that's where the country is going. You know, there are an equal or greater number of millennials qualified to vote than baby boomers now. And that was true as of the last election. That was that the 69 million sort of tipping point? Um, or do they want to go with sort of the traditional reliable voter strategy, um, which is that older people tend to vote more than younger people? Um, so so for all these candidates, it's a matter of sort of standing out. And I think that at least in your, you know, your question about um, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders makes it a little bit harder for her to stand out just because they are fairly similar on a lot of the, the sort of big economic and social issues uh, that Democratic primary voters are looking at. Mm. Wow. That was pretty perfect. You stopped talking and the music <laughs> came on. It's like you've done this before, Celeste Katz. <laughs> magic, magic. We'll have magic. to have you on WBAI soon. Yeah, you, you, you totally need to have me on there. Um, yeah, let's reciprocate. I love having you on, and I, I love to see your name pop up on the calendar. So thank you for your time today, Celeste Katz, political talk show host, former reporter for Newsweek, political commentator, all-around cool chick. Thank you for your time today. Always a pleasure, All right. Talk to you again soon. Hey, we'll be back with more after these messages. Stay right there. Here's what you've missed on airing the Addisons. This article here uh, from just last year, one of the more recent articles on snoozing, says that when you snooze on a regular basis, among other things that happens to your body, you become addicted to snoozing. Mm -hmm. Please don't do that. I'm I'm agreeing with the article. No, but your agreement was as if you already knew that. You didn't know that snoozing was addictive. It makes sense, though. That's that's what the mm mm-hmm was, because people who snooze, they love, like, they they can't not do it. That makes sense. Everyone, everyone listening to this program, including your wife, knows (laughs) that they is a synonym for Miki. 
No, they. No, that's no, that's exactly what you mean. And everybody <laughs> knows it. And when I say everybody, I mean me. That's my synonym for me. So I'm talking back about to the they article. who snooze. They who snooze. Is that scripture? <laughs> <laughs> Airing the Addisons. So Weekday morning, six to eight central on Urban Family Talk. On the Hour of Intercession, we have guests on a regular basis, and sometimes our guests have titles like doctor or pastor, but sometimes they have no title at all. Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. One powerful truth to recognize is that every believer has a testimony, and they can teach you something about prayer as they share their own personal prayer journey. Listen weekday afternoons at 1 Central here on Urban Family Talk. I'm Will Addison, director of Urban Family Talk. We desire to be a movement of time tellers. In 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says, The sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. In these perilous times, God is raising up a people of discernment who will see, pray, and act. We sound the alarm as watchmen. We cry aloud that God's people may be activated for His service. Join the movement at urbanfamilytalk.com. America's talking to Fox News. The Mueller report says President Trump did not collude with Russia, and Attorney General William Barr says there was no obstruction of justice. How do you feel? To me, the story in, in my mind is you've got five, six, seven people from the president's campaign that are in jail for violating the law. That's what's important. I'm not okay with how much money we wasted our tax money. He's there to do the job. Let him do the job. Give him support. Let him do his job. If he fails at his job, he fails at his job. But he shouldn't fail at his job because his own country turned against him. I'm very, very excited. I don't think Donald Trump was involved with it. And I'm glad that everything came out negative. The president's behavior is so so outrageous and the people who work for him, their behavior is so outrageous that the turmoil is going to continue. The only question is whether the focus is on the Mueller report. This is not going to stop. I don't actually think they should impeach the president. I think that's a waste of time. But I do think he needs to be severely slapped down and this report did not do it. America's talking to Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, well, I can't comment for the White House's process, but what I can say is that over the last two years that I've been here, I've been accused of all different types of things, and uh, all of those things have turned out to be false. Uh, we've had a lot of crazy accusations, like that we colluded with Russia. Uh, I complied with all the different investigations, whether it be the Senate, the House, uh, the special counsel. I've sat for nearly 20 hours of interviews uh, with them. Uh, when I came to Washington, I had a very successful business career. Uh, I had extensive holdings. I disclosed all my holdings to the uh, Office of Government Ethics, and what I did with that is they told me what to divest, what to keep, what rules to follow. Uh, look, I can say that in the White House, uh, I work with some phenomenal people, and I think over the last two years, the President's done a phenomenal job of identifying what are our national security priorities. He's had a great team in place that are helping implement it, and I hope I've played a good part in pushing those uh, objectives forward. And I think because of the President's leadership, uh, the world is safer today. Yeah. Um... Because of the president's leadership, the world is safer today. Uh, that was Jared Kushner. He says he's been accused of all sorts of crazy things. And yeah, I feel I feel kind of I feel bad for them. It's not kind of. I feel bad. I feel badly about how they've been treated because the normal reaction for adult kids who have the kind of backgrounds that they all have, they have all have stellar educations and they have backgrounds in business. And they've been very successful before their, pres their father was ever elected to the presidency. 
the natural reaction would be, you know, in some families, obviously they would stay back. They'd stay in New York and they would, you know, continue to do what they're doing. And, and a couple of the sons have done that. Eric Trump and, and Donald Jr. have really taken over the running of the company. But for Ivanka, who's always wanted to have a hand in policy pertaining to women and her husband, you know, they're more moderate than I am. Obviously, they're they're politically moderate, um, especially on the social issues. But a lot of what they're trying to do in Washington, D.C., these are long term projects and goals that they've worked on. The, the prison reform, uh, Jared Kushner's father went to prison for some you know, financial uh, you know, he did, he did some stuff. He was, he was an investor, a wealth manager, et cetera. And I just, I can't stress enough that most families, whether it was an active role, like the one that Ivanka and Jared have taken, or if it was a more passive role, like Eric and Don Jr. do not work in the white house. They don't, you know, really do a lot of policy stuff, but they do comment and they go on television and they support their father. They've always been public figures, the whole lot of them. They've always maintained active social media accounts. And so it's not a surprise to see them move into Washington, D.C. and contribute in that way. And so it's just uh, it's kind of crazy that they're now going to be targets. But I guess a Democrat would say to me and they have in the past said, well, if they would have stayed in the private sector, then they wouldn't be targets. But I tend to disagree with that. I think they would still be targets, even if they were in Washington or in, in New York still living in their original homes and you know, just going out and riding around in their town cars, they would still be targets. Uh, and that's why you don't see them going to New York as often anymore, because when they go to Manhattan, it snarls up traffic and everything. And I, I don't know if you saw, I'm not discussing on the show today, but I'll just mention uh, New York has become the first city in the United States to implement a European style. It's basically a tax or a fee to be able to enter a certain part of the city. Because they want to reduce congestion and encourage people to, instead of driving a car into Manhattan, they want you to take a, you know, public transportation mode. So the subway. Now, if you've seen any of the stories about what the subways are like in New York now, you know, basically just filled with homeless people, naked homeless people, you know, public restroom and you're right there on the subway. It's just terrible. And the smell is so outrageous that. A lot of people who are riding the subway are saying, I can't tolerate that. I can't be in that smell. I'm trying to go to work. Um, so they're saying that this tax will net them billions of dollars that they'll be able to use to update and modernize the subway system. And I just encourage you, if you're living in New York City, get out. Move out to a part of the country that is not just crammed with people. The, the image that they had on the story was like all these cars piled up on top of each other. It looks almost impossible to navigate. And I've been to New York before, so this isn't, you know, me talking from the Midwest and I've never been there. Mm -mm. I've been a lot of times and we went on a family vacation there as well. And um, we found it to be kind of impossible to catch a cab together as five people because most of the cabs are set up to carry four total, two on the back seat, one in the front seat and the driver. So we really had a hard time catching a cab. And that was you know, a few years ago, like four or five years ago, when we went on that trip to New York. Uh, so I just, again, if you're living in New York, try to, you know, consider moving someplace else. The cost of living is lower. The people are nice. Uh, I'm sure New Yorkers are nice. I've met tons of nice New Yorkers. But there's an opportunity for you to get away from there and uh, really 
appreciate. So um, I just encourage that. So let's go to the phones. We have Dave. Dave, thank you for calling in today. Hi. How are you doing? Hi. Good. How are you? Not too bad. Yeah, I had called. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. It's it's your time. What What's your comment? Oh, okay. Yeah, I had called. Um, you were talking earlier about the illegal immigrants and how they take things away from Americans. And, you know, I'm, I'm a 59-year-old guy. I'm an Air Force veteran. Um, I'm, I'm on Social Security disability, and I make $1,200 a month, and they give me $15 a month in food stamps. And I have some bad teeth. I'm diabetic, and the VA will not pull my teeth because I don't fit into the proper time bracket of when I enlisted. And I make like $4 too much for to qualify for the state Medicaid. You know, the VA's whole deal is... These teeth keep getting infected, and they just throw antibiotics at me. Mm. You know, and all I'm trying to do is, you know, I, I just need a couple of teeth pulled. You know, and it makes me mad when I see these illegal immigrants coming, and they get everything, free medical care, free dental, free housing, free everything. You know, I paid into the system my whole life. I'm a veteran, I'm, you know, and I can't catch a break, it seems like. You know, it's just, it's not a fair deal. No, it isn't. And thank you for your service. And uh, I I sincerely hope that just being here on the show and talking about this, maybe um, something good can come of this for the situation that you're in. It's especially frustrating when you think about the time that you spent on active duty and that the rules that you're living under are not being followed by other people. Like other people are in the country illegally and they're not following the same rules as you. Some of them are even serving in the military as illegals, which I, I still can't figure out how you get into the military if you're here illegally. And then after that, yeah. they get military benefits, which you and I have as citizens. We served. But it's it's totally different if you're in the country illegally. So I, my heart goes out to you. Definitely, um, I hope someone out there who's in the call in, if you're a dentist, you're, what state are you in, Dave? Uh, I'm in northern Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. So if you listen to the show and you're, you're a dentist and you do any of the kind of pro bono dentistry type stuff and you're in Wisconsin, reach out to AFR, call in um, and give the information to the producer and connect you up to Dave. And Dave, can you give something to um, Devin or our call screener to, so anything, email or something. So maybe, maybe something good can come out of this. I just, I feel terrible that you're going through that and you have kind of like you're in two worlds. You have the Medicaid and you have the um, the military benefit, and neither of them can help you. I mean, like you said, it's a couple of teeth getting pulled. It seems like something that could happen. Um, and I just want to encourage people to take it in the spirit of what's being shared. Dave doesn't hate people from Mexico. He doesn't hate anybody. He's talking about the unfairness of having spent his life in service to this country and then now as a retiree, not having the ability to get something simple done, which, you know, a lot of us, if you have dental coverage, you, you think to yourself, oh, just get, you know, get a couple of teeth pulled. But when you have dental coverage, when you get that statement, I, I know you've, you've done it too. I've been shocked. I'll, I'll have, you know, last time I had a cavity and I got the cavity filled and I got the bill. It's actually ex, explanation of benefits. And I was t- taking a look at it and thinking, wow, so this is what they charge people who don't have insurance. And this is what they charge me. And then my insurance covers a little chunk and then I'm responsible for the rest. 
And so, you know, you, you shoot off your payment or pay online or whatever, and you don't think about it again. And it's different if you don't have insurance. And I know a lot of people in the audience, like, they don't put it together. Have you noticed that? Your health insurance doesn't cover your teeth. So you have to have dental coverage. Well, dental coverage is an additional cost each month. And as you heard, Dave is on a fixed income. So um, let's put the call out there. If you have some connections in that area and you're in Wisconsin, please call into the show and leave your information with, uh, with, with one of the team here, 866-963-2037. Um, and I don't normally do that, but I just, I just felt like maybe that would, maybe something can happen. I, I pray that it can. Uh, I just, so we're going over that. And I wanted to talk about this story about this Egyptian man. And I talked about it a little bit earlier and I just, y'all, what kind of a demonic jacked up individual do you have to be to try to snatch a five-year-old girl away from her own mom? So here's a story. Um, it's in Barbersville, West Virginia. You've got this Egyptian man who was arrested and charged with attempted abduction after a mom said he tried to grab her five-year-old daughter. She's with her five-year-old daughter at the Huntington Mall. His name's Mohammed Fathi Hussein Zion. He's 54 years old, and he comes from Alexandria, Egypt. He was booked at uh, 1255 a.m. on Tuesday, April 2nd of 2019. And the mayor of Barbersville, Chris Tatum, says the incident happened at the mall between 6 and 7 p.m. on Monday, April 1st. So officers with the police department said the woman called 911 and she told the dispatchers that she and her five-year-old daughter were in a department store shopping and a man tried to grab the child. She pulled her gun out and scared the nasty old man off. And then she told mall security about the incident. So mall security took off on the hunt for the guy and found him in the food court. So he tried to snatch this child up. And when he couldn't get her, instead of leaving them all and running away, I guess he was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go ahead and eat. Couldn't get my abduction on today, but maybe another day. So when they approached him and talked to him, dude doesn't speak any English. So how he's here in America, I have no idea. What is he doing here? He doesn't speak any English. He only speaks Arabic. So they brought in a translator by phone during the arraignment to, to make sure he understood what was happening to him. He was forced to surrender his passport. He's not allowed to leave the state of West Virginia and he's being held at Western Regional Jail on a $200,000 cash bond. What's the moral of this story? Well, first of all, I don't know what this Arab speaking man is doing here in America, just hanging out at the mall trying to pick up and literally pick up other people's kids. But um, that mom, she was on point with that gun because otherwise she would have had to have basically fight this guy off herself and he could have injured her daughter or her. Um, and so that's a really, what, a, what an amazing uh, story of her. She's, she's, she's a hero mom. She saved her daughter and they were able to apprehend him. Praise God. You know, sorry, but I'm just glad that he's, he's sorry, not sorry. I'm glad he's been apprehended. Um, so I want to give you guys a little, it's so exciting. We are actually going to be chatting with Walker Wildman. He's going to be on the show uh, talking with us about something super cool. It's called Patriot Academy. And um, 
Walker Wildman is the vice president of operations for American Family Association. So he'll be joining us later on in the week. We're going to have him on to talk about uh, Patriot Academy. And so I, I look forward to I'll give you more details about that as as that comes up. But suffice it to say, that's going to be really exciting. So I want to let you know if you watch the show on and we did we have talked about this a little bit um, and I have not yet completed all the like website stuff. We're still working on that. But the good news is, like I said earlier in the first hour, I figured out how to embed the video on here. So we can definitely, you can go over there, you can make a comment. We have a Facebook plugin. Um, and so you can comment on the live stream over there. And we're thinking of how we're going to make this a more streamlined operation, you know, make it better um, for choosing what we're going to do. So we'll see. We'll see how that all cracks up. But for now, Super excited um, to have that that going over there today. And then you can also listen to some of the 60-second spots that we do here. Um, the Just a Minute with Stacy on the right. You can check those out. I've posted new ones up over at the Facebook page. And you can find interviews that we've done, like with Chairwoman Rona McDaniel, uh, Counterculture Mom Tina Griffin, and others. So that's really exciting, too. And um, I also want to just mentioned to you that share coming up. We're in the month of April. share happens at the end of the month. And I'm going to be broadcasting from Tupelo. Yeah. And I'm bringing a kid, just like I did to uh, Anaheim. A different kid. <laughs> so that'll be happening too. All right. Uh, enjoy your evening tonight. God bless you from the heartland. Um, there's a war on for our kids and for our culture. And the ones who want it the most are the ones who are going to win. We have to be the ones who want it the most, Christians. It has to be us. All right. Until tomorrow. <laughs>